Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. And it's time for Reefer for Everyone! <laughs> Yay! Is that a bad thing? I mean, I quit, but still, everybody should have Reefer. Oh, that was the only highlight of the debate last <laughs> night, was that everyone is getting joints. It was a total shit show. It was probably the worst debate of them all. It's hard when people talk over each other to understand what they want. It's hard when all of your moderators clearly took Xanax before <laughs> they decided to start moderating. I think there's not enough of an understanding among the candidates and the moderators that we still have a lot of viewers... And voters who are just starting to tune in Mm -hmm. and plug in. The junkies have already been way in. But there's a lot of people who are still just like, oh, yeah, I've heard of these folks. I hear Bernie's winning. I hear Biden is still in it. I hear Bloomberg's trying to buy it. What are they all about? And giving them a chance to explain themselves and their core positions and how they feel about real issues going on, like the virus that might end the world. Um, (laughs) Now, would that be the corona beer virus, according to Donald Trump, or is there something different? I just want you're not sick, right? I just want to be sure. No, I'm great. Okay, good. You sure? Yeah. Did you take the test? No. You didn't take the test? Is there a test right now? Oh, no. Oh, we're going to Is it just like a CVS trip? Can I move my mic away (laughs) from her? Because I'm not sure anymore. But, you know... I am currently less afraid of corona than many people. Okay. It seems like it was a year ago that I was waking up in the night in cold sweats, afraid that Michael Bloomberg was just going to buy the election and take over. And I think it was about eight days ago Mm -hmm. that I was afraid of that. And then he actually started to debate. And now he's had two horrendous debates. And I am no longer afraid that Michael Bloomberg is going to take over this race. I'm not afraid that he's going to take over like with big ideas or policy. I do believe that his money is still a threat. I do believe that his slip up on stage mm. last night when he said, oh, you know, Congress, I bought them. Oh, I uh, got, uh, them. Uh, got so them. Are you saying, are you endorsing the theory that Bernie won't get to 50, the superdelegates will have to come down from the mount and decide this thing for us. And because Bloomberg has bought them off, mm. 
then they will throw it to Bloomberg? What I'm saying is that we need to think everything is a possibility at this point because we do know that Trump is painting Bernie as a socialist. They are pulling up old videos of him talking about Fidel Castro. They're pulling up videos well, uh, and, and going on and pulling up his, his honeymoon we trips need, and all of but, those things. Right now, we don't need old videos. Right. We have Bernie we have this minutes. week on 60 Minutes. But for all the people who texted and DM'd me saying, oh, my God, Bernie praised Castro. Um, hello. No, he didn't. He said Castro did this one thing well. He was also clear that he did many horrible things. And in Bernie fashion, he's very good at saying, no, of course, we don't endorse this and this and this. Don't We're not down for the communism mm-hmm. and the jailing of political prisoners and the horrendous things that he's done. But he did educate all his citizens, and they have health care, and these are actually good things. And if they can do it on this tiny island, we can do it in America. That's not radical. No, it's not. I think that there's a deep miseducation around just general civics, but the understanding of socialism, authoritarianism, fascism, and all of these different types of political regimes that have taken hold around the world at different times. And I think that what Donald Trump does really well is play to people's ignorance, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is play to the fact that many Americans are undereducated as it pertains to politics. And so you can paint everything in one way and just literally paint Bernie Sanders as red, paint him as communists bring back McCarthyism and scare the shit out of people. And that's what I think when you hear the moderates on the stage talking about, well, at least I'm not a socialist and this, that, and the other thing, they're literally just throwing words around that they know terrify the American people without actually explaining anything. Right. Well, I mean, there's some sense that socialism is the exact same as communism. Right. There's a sense that There's no socialist aspects of American political economy currently. Mm -hmm. There are socialized. There's only one company that you can really get gas from, right? There's only one company you get energy from. That is socialism. We don't have all these sort of choices in certain aspects, right? Because that only makes sense, right? So the government can control what goes on. That makes sense to people. But then Bernie talks about socialism and making college free, making health care available to everybody. People are freaking out. And I'm definitely disappointed to see the freak out happening at MSNBC, where I know and love a lot of those people and have great respect for a lot of those people. But the comparison that was made between Bernie's win in Nevada to the fall of France to the Nazis? Facepalm. First of all, I think that a lot of the people that are having these discussions are from a bygone era. Mm -hmm. And I think that digging up the likes of, let's say, a James Carville, which no one Mm. has seen in about 20 years, (laughs) and putting him him on television and making him somehow the soothsayer of the Democratic Party when the Democratic Party has evolved so much since his, you know, Bill Clintonite days. People who remember the Cold War and who who, should it still be talking? (laughs) Well, that's not where I was going to say it. Current day politics, but it 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 has a deep effect, a reactionary effect on them, right? If the Cold War affected your political Mm -hmm. ideology and your worldview, then Bernie seems frightening. 
because socialism equals communism and you immediately stiffen your spine and everything tightens and the sphincter goes, ah, and like it's, what are you doing? That's part of why Bernie has been struggling with the over 65s because they're freaking out at just the mere mention of the S word. Younger people are like, well, Denmark seems to have a pretty good situation. Like, what's the problem there? I was pleased to see Chris Matthews apologize. I... Because he was dragged. Well, not just because he was dragged. I've done that apology, so I understand the conversations that happened behind the scenes Mm -hmm. to get to that apology. And for somebody the size of Chris Matthews, because I'm sure Chris Matthews is like, no, I said it and I meant it. And I like, said I, what I said. Yeah, I said what I said. I said what so I said. to get him to apologize, clearly folks were like, he doesn't care. He doesn't pay attention to Twitter and getting dragged on Twitter. He doesn't care. So to get him to apologize, there's surely like a bunch of high-level conversations of like, dude. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. You just analogized a Jewish person peacefully winning a state to To Nazis Nazis taking over France violently. Like, what are you talking about? Honestly, that breakdown helps us understand just how nonsensical it was. But it is the pervasive idea on MSNBC and a lot of cable news outlets that, like, Bernie Sanders is completely and totally problematic. That the world will fall if Bernie Sanders becomes president of the United States. Now, everybody who has listens to this show and other shows that I do know that Bernie Sanders, I'm not a fan of. Right. But do I think that he's going to be the fall of everything that happens in this country? Like Bernie Sanders becomes president. We're losing the house. We're losing this. We're No, I actually don't think that. And I think also the more that you actually talk to young people like and I mean young people, not the people that are under 65. I mean, like people that are under 30 years old and under. No, you're not young. You're young in heart. But like when you talk to these people, when they think and they listen to Bernie Sanders and they're just like, he understands our plight. 
We are drowning under student debt. The likes of Chris Matthews and those folks, when they went to school, college was like $5,000 a semester. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, right, right, you know, right. to go to law school back 30, 40 years ago, you're talking about maybe you would have paid $20,000 in order to go. They have no concept of the struggles that young people have right now right. in terms of the crushing debt that they are facing. Then on top of that, they have a whole entire generation of people who are not taking climate change as a serious, serious issue mm. that is br literally breathing down their necks. They think that the fact that it was 69 degrees in Antarctica the other day is just like, oh, well, those things happen. No, the fuck it doesn't. Right. I brought up climate change in front of a 16-year-old the other day. A young cousin of mine, she was like, oh, my God. God, I am so scared. And she's genuinely scared, yeah. genuinely frightened about her future. So when you take these things into consideration, a Bernie Sanders, who is an older, still an older statesman, but he is actually very conscious of what young people are facing right now and is not trying to fill them and send them off with a bag of lies. You can see why he's their candidate. I mean, when I look at Bernie, I see pragmatism. I don't see radicalism. I see pragmatism. I see common sense. I see a politician who says the truthful things that he sees. I think that one of the greatest problems in American society is the wealth gap, right? And mm -hmm. the inequality. Yep. That is a core part of his message. I don't believe that because he said it, I came to that looking around at the political landscape and saying we have a big, giant income inequality gap in America and the rich are getting richer. The number of people who have that money is pooling smaller and smaller. It is getting harder and harder to get out of the 1% mm -hmm. and easier and easier with generations passing to stay in the bottom 50%, right? So if your father is poor, you're more likely to grow up poor, right? And if your yeah. father is rich, you're more likely to grow up rich. That is not the America that I was taught exists or is supposed to exist when I was growing up, but that's where we are. That's what Bernie talks about. Mm -hmm. And I love that about him. And Elizabeth Warren talks about that as well. For whatever reason, his message is resonating. And ever since the moment when she called him a liar and she said that he said women can't win, her campaign has been falling and his campaign has been rising. I don't know if it was because of that moment. It may be for some voters. I'm not sure what else has happened that has made that stark difference. I still like her a lot, but he is getting it done. She is not. And the argument about electability mm -hmm. is being lost by everyone except for him. And I'm not sure. I hate straight line extrapolations to say this is happening, ergo. That, but I don't see how anyone catches him. I don't think that anyone does. I mean, to be honest, right, what does he have? About 43 delegates right now, right? So he is leading the field in delegates. I think that, and Elizabeth Warren, I think she maybe has eight. You have Pete Buttigieg somewhere in double digits, but we know I that mean, he ain't. Bloomberg he ain't have zero. zero. <laughs> Goose egg. But understand that he is not on the ballot in South Carolina. And you he's, can't write him in. Can't write him in, and he's waiting on Super Tuesday. I think to your point about Elizabeth Warren, this is what I will say, and I, I say it all the time. Elizabeth Warren has the plans when she talked about the fact that look you know bernie and i agree on a lot of things except i dig in i actually get things done yeah. i have a lot of the plans and the question that i keep seeing come up on social media is exactly what you just asked 
Why? Why hasn't she caught fire? What is the problem here? And I'm telling you, it is sexism. America does not want a female president. America actually hates women. White women won't even vote for another white woman because there is a lot of what I believe to be self-hatred that is there. And women belong in a certain place. And it is not inside of the White House. And I think that people still have the reverberations of uh, Hillary Clinton and that loss and understanding that Hillary Clinton lost to Trump by about an assembly district in New York. It was by like tens of thousands of votes. It wasn't millions. And so, you know, when you look at these things and you take them into consideration, one of the things that I keep thinking about is, and what I pray about, frankly, I think that the VP pick is going to be very important in this political cycle. I know you don't agree with me, but I'm I'm telling you, I talk to people. I've been talking to political scientists. They also agree. They believe that the VP pick is also going to be important. It's going to assuage a lot, especially if Bernie Sanders, who won't release the fullness of his medical record and is, what do you say, a septuagenarian? What is he? Septuagenarian. Septuagenarian, whatever. He's old (laughs) as fuck. And he is... Not getting any younger. And so to assuage fears in terms of those that are concerned about his health, but also to balance out what many deem to be radical, his radical ideology and philosophy, I think that his VP pick is going to help people really come to the water with him and say, okay, we can do this. If that VP pick is Elizabeth Warren, I would be thrilled. If it is Kamala Harris, if it's a Stacey Abrams, I would be over the moon. But I do think that it's going to be important specifically for Bernie. I mean, I have read a bunch of political science on this as well. The VP pick never makes the difference. It is never a decisive factor. It's not the Scottie Pippen to his Michael Jordan or what the clay to his uh, Steph Curry for the young kids. No, it doesn't matter. And folks want to say, well, Palin made a difference. No, I don't think she did. And the GOP has gone more toward Palin than it has toward McCain in the years since then. So if you want to say that she dragged him down... No, Obama beat McCain. People go in the booth and they vote for the top of the ticket. And Obama had to choose a Biden because he needed an older white statesman to make people that felt uneasy about this young black guy taking the reins and taking over the Oval Office. He needed Biden in order to legitimize him. And what I'm saying is I think that Bernie Sanders will absolutely need the same. Pick somebody from a tiny blue state that does not suggest to me he's like well let's try to use this pick to get a state that we may not otherwise get and understand the optics of balancing with an older statesman who's been around and been there done that as if he's going to be telling him something that obama didn't already figure out i'm struggling to figure out where it has mattered cheney did not make a difference with bush kane did not drag down clinton Pence did not help. I don't think Trump. that. I don't. Think I don't think that in any of these situations, people Hillary. People vote. I don't think he helped, but I don't think he hurt. People vote for the top of the ticket. Elizabeth Warren would be interesting. However, I would not see the wisdom in picking somebody who is also considered a super progressive as Bernie is. But also that would be ahistorical because they never choose somebody who was in the competition with them, like had a chance to win. But what did you just say? It would be ahistorical. 
we are living in an ahistorical moment. Nothing that is happening right now has happened before. And that's why I'm just saying we need to operate outside of this historical context and thinking that because it hasn't been done, it can't be done. What we know is that our political culture has been disrupted ever since Donald Trump went down the escalator. All of the norms have been thrown out of the window. And I'm just saying, I would argue that in this particular moment, we could look to be a bit more expansive in how we are thinking and think outside of the box about what is going to pull off a win for us, even though I believe we're not making it to the election. But nonetheless, what is actually going to pull it off? If you were going to expand, it would be perhaps Stacey Abrams, somebody from a red state, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a Sherrod Brown, somebody from a critical red or swing state, why would you shake your head? He's from Ohio. He's a great senator from Ohio, extremely personable. I mean, the VP doesn't even necessarily deliver their home state. You can't necessarily expect that. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the general argument that the VP is going to be critical that I— We ain't doing two I, white I, men this I, time around. We're not doing it. You know, I don't— We're not. We're not doing it. I think that you may be overestimating the importance that people will put on black voters in the general election, right? We are a critical block in the Democratic primary because we tend to vote together. Usually you get black voters voting 60, 70, 80 percent together in a Democratic primary. In a general election, that is expected. So they don't need to throw us that sort of olive branch to get us to come along. Stacey Abrams is a great choice regardless. regardless. Yeah, and regardless. I would, I, I would be thrilled to see her on the ticket. It would again be that a- she would align with a Bernie? Because I, I could have seen would, her, but again, I could have seen be, her with a Warren. It would be I don't ahistorical know. to have somebody who has not been in elective office and not be a governor or a senator. Trump, hello. No, as a vice presidential. Choice. I'm just—he's the president of the United States, and he hasn't done a fucking thing, public service-wise. No, no. Not- but who did, who did he choose as vice president? I mean, like the vice president always has won an election. Right. And Stacey Abrams is an extraordinary person. She's an extraordinary candidate, Mm -hmm. great campaigner, but Mm -hmm. she hasn't won a major election. Right. So folks might say like, "Mm," like, I just I know this will be the fun conversation over the next couple of months as like Bernie starts to solidify and it becomes like, okay, this is he's too far ahead. So let's figure out who the VP is. It doesn't make a difference. I think if you could do some sort of historical retread or some historical fiction of like we've run Clinton plus Kane or Clinton plus X, Sherrod Brown, Stacey Abrams, whoever else. Does that win? No. Does Bernie plus Kamala win versus Bernie plus whoever? No. I know. I also I gotta say the one thing that I do agree with him on as it pertains to the election. He keeps talking about the fact that we need historic turnout. I have said that we need beyond Obama level turnout and we don't have Obama, right? Like it needs to be out of the park. What I will say that I like about him is that instead of trying to win over these fraudulent Republican moderates that don't actually exist, that are going to somehow make their way back over to the Democratic Party, what you need to do is to be able to excite and energize the over 100 million people that didn't vote in the last election or the people that decided to throw their votes away. So I think that Democrats over the next several months, and let me tell you something, ain't nothing about the next several months that are going to make me excited or feel like a 
good conversation that doesn't feel like the apocalypse. But I will say this, that we need enthusiasm out of the wazoo. Like we need people to be excited, to be energized. And if that is just about beating the hell out of Donald Trump, whatever it is that gets these people out and activated, if it's scaring the shit out of them, I don't know what it is. But whoever he decides to pick and however he decides to roll, the next several months are going to be about the fact that we need historic turnout. What does that look like? What do the people who have been, you know, complacent, what do they need? Mm. Right? What do they need in this moment? to actually get off of their couch and get into the streets, make sure that they're registered to vote and actually do something. I mean, what do people need beyond making sure they have health care? Yeah. You know, making sure that they or their kids can go to college, can afford college, that the minimum wage will be raised or at least attempted to be raised to a reasonable living rate. Like what else can we talk to you about? Climate? Mm-hmm. That's what this guy is about. I mean, like, what else do you want if you're a non-voter that could be important to you? And these are the sort of things that the right would call giveaways, right? Like, what was it, 2012, when uh, O'Reilly was on saying, like, well, I mean, they're just giving away stuff. Like, we can't compete with, like, freebies. They're just giving. But, like, this is what the left is about, giving people things that will matter to their lives. And when Bernie says nobody questions can we raise the budget for the military? Nobody says, how are we going to pay mm-hmm. for that? Yep. But when you say, well, we want to have Medicare for all. We want to have free college. People freak out. I want to see it down to the penny, how we're going to pay for that. How Why doesn't he just say Mexico is going to pay for it? It seemed to work last time. Come on. I mean, it's, it seems like if you just throw shit out against the wall, it doesn't actually but matter. But this is part of the problem that the left needs to prove and show their work. And the right does not. And the Republican Party doesn't have to show, like, Never how, does. how are you going to do that? How are you going to afford building a wall? And how exactly are you going to force Mexico to pay for it? And how are we going to actually do, how are we going to raise the military budget and also do the things we've been doing? How are we going to do that? They're not asked those questions. No. But the left, we have to prove down to the penny how we're going to afford these things. Do you think that we do that to ourselves? Because that was also, mm-hmm. uh, that was a part mm-hmm. of the last debate. That was part of the food fight. And that it came up a bit this week as well. That was mm-hmm. a part of it, which was like, well, Bernie doesn't know how he's going to pay for X, Y, and Z. Do we do it to ourselves? We do. We do. Yeah. We do. Because it's a party of intellectuals, a party that expects government to work properly right? Efficiently, effectively. So when one of us says, hey, I want to make a significant, not radical, but a significant change to government, then the others are going to say, well, how would you do that? I would love to propose that, but I don't know how to afford that. Like, Mm -hmm. well, I do. I do. Let's spend less on the military. Let's tax the billionaires a little bit more. And when you're, you know, someone like Buttigieg, you know, or Bloomberg, you can't make that or Steyer, you can't make that argument. But let's tax the billionaires more. I mean, Steyer wants to make that argument, but nobody cares what he has to say. (laughs) But like certain candidates can't say we're going to tax the billionaires more. And Bernie is one of those candidates who can. And that is such catnip. Now, I think the next time we speak, there will be more clarity around all this because Super Tuesday will have happened. Super Tuesday will have happened. South Carolina will have happened. But before we look forward tonight, what did you think about Biden last night? Because if I heard more than one pundit, 
I heard several say that they thought he won the debate. Oh, good Lord. And he was just endorsed by uh, Congressman Jim Clyburn, big deal in South Carolina, who said that he's the only person that can win. He's the only person that has a proven record. What happens to Biden this coming weekend and next week? Biden is not going anywhere because I think there's a either there's an irrational hope that somehow things will turn around or there's a sense of like legacy. Mm -hmm. Like if I drop out like early before Super Tuesday, like uh, like how does that make me look like what is that? What does that look like long term? Like I got to stick it out and fight as long as I can. And especially in a world where folks are not sure if Bernie's going to get to 50 percent. Mm hmm. There's a desire to stick it out as long as you can. Now, the sticking it out as long as you can does become a crabs in a barrel situation when you have three moderates in the race versus two real progressives, right? And Elizabeth Warren fading away, Bernie rising. I'm not sure that if all the moderates dropped out, that one of them would vault above Bernie. I'm not sure that that would happen, but it certainly does not help that there's so many options for the folks who are still not sold on Bernie. There's so many too options many. for them. It's and, too many. And if we, you know, the race would be better if we could snip it down a bit. Now, you did, you asked me about Biden. Mm -hmm. When he talks at this point, I hear Charlie Brown's parents. <laughs> I'm just not really interested. Grandpa has clearly like woken up as the first couple of dates. Smelling salts definitely yeah, were definitely, in definitely play. Smelling this week. Salt. He definitely seemed to have woken up and he's like on topic and he's like fighting for his political life. But I'm really just not interested. You know, his whole argument was electability. That argument has been getting the crap beaten out of it week mm -hmm. after week. Super Tuesday will batter it even more. I'm wondering who will be the first to drop out. God willing, Klobuchar. I mean, you know. Klobuchar and Buttigieg, in my opinion, as well as Steyer and Bloomberg, frankly. Jesus. They all need to go. But, I mean, Klobuchar does not have a path. Buttigieg does not have a path. He had his big win and his big-ass white states, and then that's it. Like, he is done for. He is a man that is filled with more platitudes than I know what to do with or if want to know what to do with. If you're Pete and you think I was one in Iowa and I was two in New Hampshire— and I have 10 billionaires helping me out, so we got enough money, why should I go? I mean, like, everybody in this race is looking at it irrationally, right? They're, yeah, Nobody is thinking, well, we have no path. Like, media is wrong, right? I mean, like, they're thinking somehow we'll catch fire. We've only been to a couple states. After Super Tuesday, reality will reality set in. Reality is going to set in. And, like, oh, a lot of people have voted. And yeah, like, they all need to wake up on Wednesday morning. And have a come to Jesus moment and do what's right for the party and say, okay, Pete Buttigieg is what, 36 years old? Okay, peace. See you in the next, you think, see you in the next eight do years. You, do you think anyone is thinking about what's best for the party or what's best for themselves? <sighs> no one's thinking about what's best for the party. I mean, do they just want us all to lose? Is that it? No, they're thinking about what's best for themselves. And even if it is setting themselves up for the next time, because Bernie's example of sticking in for a while, which thus set him up for this time, 
had more experience, more name recognition, just more understanding of how the game is played, a higher status among in some voters' mm-hmm. minds. That definitely set him up, right? Republicans tend to do that of like who was number two last time becomes number one next time. Democrats don't tend to do that, but it worked out for Bernie. So folks can say, like, look, like if we just stick around till June and just keep throwing punches, next time maybe we'll be even higher. We can't take it until June. But the American, I mean, about, I, I'm going to just think about the party. They're thinking I'm, about te- I'm telling you, the American public, they cannot take this until June. They will lose their minds. Right now, you're talking about the people that have been mainlining politics, mainlining this election since, what, June of last year, right? And people just tapping in right now. We are exhausted. We're battling climate change, the fucking coronavirus, Donald Trump gaslighting the country, and all of these things. We cannot have Democrats going toe-to-toe, ripping each other apart like kindergartners on a playground with no teacher present until June. Like, that's, it's just I mean, not going to work. Obama and Hillary went into July. We weren't facing an existential crisis then. The world was about, oh, well, you know, is it hope and change or is it, you know, this, Pragmatism. that and the other thing, right? That's not where we are. Is it an authoritarian regime and people are going to be moved into concentration camps or like, you know, we try and do our best to save our democracy? Like, this is real life. I love, I love, right. I love how. Bernie gets knocked for socialism, which somehow is equal to communism, but Trump is actually bringing back the parts of communism that we hate and fear, right? Mm -hmm. Who is the person most likely to reenact The Handmaid's Tale? (laughs) Oh, my God. Right? Who is really the person most likely to give us hangings in Central Park, right? Like, it's Trump. Like, we have an actual fascist in the White House. That's what you really fear out of communism, right? Like, fascism, authoritarianism. That is what Trump is doing, right? That's what he mm-hmm. makes no doubt that he loves, that he wants, that he admires in others. He's the actual candidate chosen by Russia. Yes. Like, like, what are we talking about? Like, Putin does not want Bernie to win. He wants Bernie to be the nominee, but he does not want Bernie to win. He wants Trump to win. Yeah. 
because it'll make his life easier. I just think after Super Tuesday, this party needs to get a fucking grip. It needs to pull itself back together. It needs to be very, very laser focused on the fact that you joke about the idea like hangings in Central Park. Like that shit is real. This man, everything that he has said that he would do, he has done. Right. There isn't something that Trump has said that he would do that he has not done. And worse than that, here we are on the precipice of a pandemic and he doesn't believe in science and is lying to the American people about it. So people need to get very real about what we're up against. And it isn't just like, oh, do I like this candidate? Do I not like them? Will they make me feel good? Will I feel warm and fuzzy at the polls? It's like, oh, do you want a country or do you want to you know, being a breadline and like running for your life. I'm just trying to do the math, right? Because there's still four significant, I don't want to say significant for Steyer, but there's still four moderates in this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Of Bloomberg, Klobuchar, Steyer, and Biden, right? And then two progressives. Even if two of these moderates wake up on Wednesday, let's say Klobuchar, because I think, I suspect she has the least money. Yes. Everybody. Yep. You start to wonder how long can Biden say, oh, and I forgot about Pete. (laughs) I didn't. I was just hoping that you were just being very clear about that. I mean, you know, even if Biden starts to say, like, how long can I take this pounding? Right. Right. like, I would really like to be in my rocking chair. I mean, you know, still, you Steyer's not going anywhere. Bloomberg's not going anywhere anytime soon. And Pete is being propped up by folks who are like, keep going, Pete. You still have three moderates clogging the moderate lane. If Senator Warren drops out, and I'm not yet saying she should, but she may wake up Wednesday saying, like, this looks really hard. I don't know how we do it. Mm-hmm. That propels Bernie even further and makes him even harder to beat. And in a world where almost all of the Democratic states are proportional, right, you have no chance to catch him. Right. So back the fuck up. Pack up your stuff and go home. And it would be better for the party to not have him come in at 40% and have a big argument about who should be the nominee. If let him get to 50 so we can unite the party. Correct. Because we want to save the country. I don't care if you think at the end of the day whether or not Bernie Sanders is your lord and savior. I don't care about that. We are trying to save the country. People need to get very real about that. It's not a game. I know that pundits and everybody like to pretend that it is and do the horse race and all of that shit. This is not a game this time around. It is serious. That's all I'm saying. It's always serious. Thank you for listening to Democracy Ish. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Toure. And I'm Danielle Moody Mills. And we will definitely be back next week because we have to do Super Tuesday. And so we have to talk about what happened. So the country will make it to Super Tuesday. Yeah, but we could be in the bomb shelter preventing ourselves from the coronavirus. (laughs) So will there be a country? We don't know, folks. Pray about it. Pray about it. (laughs)